All right, everybody, welcome to Monday. I am back in Tahoe just for a little summer jaunt uh, to see the lake, take the girls out for a little rope course, maybe uh, get on the lake on a boat or something, some hiking. They like to go to the beach, the pool, everything. How's your summer going, Sonny? Summer's been good. You know, I'm I'm in build mode. You know, it's the summer of AI. It's the summer mm-hmm. of guests. It's all around. So this one's been pretty heavy on the work front this year, but that's good. It's sort of, a, it's a, it's an important setup summer, I think, for a big, oh. big fall and set up uh, 2024. Summer. Oh, yes. I was calling it no, sh- I started the summer, stress-free yeah. summer. Oh, no, no, And then no, I got halfway can't. in and now it's the setup summer. I, yeah. I, I, I tried to have stress-free summer. It didn't work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I am doing. We had, th- we had three years of that 2020, 2021, 2022. You Those were it. not stress free. Those were gangbusters. I know, but-, <laughs> but yeah, they weren't depressing <laughs> and like <laughs> licking your wounds and trying to yeah. fix everything in your portfolio. Yeah, I've been meeting with a lot of LPs and that has okay. been uh, very instructive because now venture capital is kind of back to basics, back to okay. square one, like back to. You know, just find a great company, invest in it, burn a low amount of money, get product market fit, be super focused, be super lean. It's a different world. And it's I got to be honest, sweet spot. It's the JK sweet like spot. It. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like exactly where I like to get, you know, when Carmelo Anthony would like to get that little 12 footer going, back you up. Yep. They yep. turn around and just try to do that little floater. I kind of like, yep. I got my spot on the floor and, uh, you know, I'm, they're feeding me the ball constantly. This Week in Startups is brought to you by Embroker's Startup Insurance Program helps startups secure the most important types of insurance at a lower cost and with less hassle. Save up to 20% off of traditional insurance today at Embroker.com slash twist. While you're there, get an extra 10% off using offer code twist. Lemon.io. Need to speed up your product development without draining your budget? Hire vetted engineers from Europe at Lemon.io. Go to Lemon.io slash twist to get 15% off for the first four weeks. And 8sleep. Good sleep is the ultimate game changer. Now you can add the pod cover to any mattress. Go to 8sleep.com slash twist to check out the pod cover and get $150 off at checkout. And the thing that's most interesting is I'm getting a lot of great AI companies. And it, they could be dismissed as AI wrapper companies or chat GPT wrapper companies or, you know, pick your language model wrapper companies. Yeah. But what I'm finding is they're finding all kinds of pockets of where to add value in the wrapper. So, um, you know, yeah. is a website or an app, a wrapper around an iPhone or a wrapper around AWS, well, I guess you could diminish it to that ex- to that way. But I'm curious your thought on this debate in Silicon Valley, and if you can explain it from your own yeah. words, the AI wrapper yeah. debate. Well, look, the, I'm going to lean into a company that you are famously known for angel investing in Uber. Oh, I, yeah, I was in that one, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Out. And one could argue back then someone would say the location api on an iphone through ios well you're just building a wrapper around that yes right but that was a very important api that api has led us to have uber instacart doordash you know Mm. a whole bunch of you know services uh with location kind of being at the core of it but then they had to build a whole bunch of infrastructure beyond just the location api but without it, you know, you probably couldn't get off the ground. I view AI as the same thing. AI today is an API. It's a very powerful one. But if you're going to build a business, you need to build a lot of infrastructure, a lot of scaffolding around what's happening. And I think the companies that are focusing on that are going to get there. Now, obviously, Apple, you know, uh, benefited tremendously off of building the platform and off of building a place for developers to build off of. But many companies, and probably in aggregate, the value of those companies exceeds Apple's, or it's at least maybe mm. close to it. Um, and so I think when you know, people go to that argument and say, oh, everything is just a wrapper, well, you, we, we can boil that down to almost you know, all technologies that, that mm. have scaled off, off of a, a good platform that got off the ground. Yeah, I think it's very well said. And you know, we had in our 
discussions here, you brought me a company called uh, Venturous AI. Yes. Remember on episode yeah. 1774? We, we well, did them. Yep. I interviewed the fan, I like the product so much, I offered him a 25K investment live on the air. Um, and now, Venturist just accepted the $100,000 offer from the Launch Accelerator. Oh, right. So it's right. our first uh, full circle demo uh, as an investment. So I'll make hey. sure that you get a little tasty poo. Figure Ooh, out how to okay. do a little carry share that check. for you. No, I'll just write a check. Or you can write a check, yeah. I'll just write a check. I'm good with that. Yeah. That was the perfect example of a wrapper company, right? And... You could dismiss these, but I can tell you like the level of detail they went into in doing a SWOT analysis, the pastel analysis, pastel analysis yep. all this stuff, um, they're, they're getting traction amongst, uh, and for folks who don't know, it's a very simple concept. I'll share it with you right now. Or you explain the concept while I pull up my well, screen. Yeah, the, the concept is, you know, if you have an idea, what it does is it takes your idea and it breaks down the, the basic types of analysis that you would do for any idea. Uh, you know, everything from SWAT, which is strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats, to PESTLE. And, you know, it gives you, uh, like, here's the framework right here, exactly. And it can formulate a, a business plan for you, an MVP, unique selling uh, points, um, and uh, go-to-market motions. This is, you know, look, for for a long time, this is what you'd pay a consulting firm to do for you. Yes. Uh, or you'd go get an MBA. And you understand this through, yeah, obviously, some type of business school. Um, and for many people, I think what this does is help them understand, because a lot of people have ideas. And I, you know, you and I have both seen that throughout our careers. Yep. But what people struggle with is, like, how do you take the idea and then start to test its viability? And in which framework should I use for testing it? Now, mm -hmm. some people will just go and build something and see that it works or fails in the market. But this allows you to do some higher level analysis before you get into the build phase mm. and maybe, you know, before you spend your money, your energy on building something. And this is, uh, as we've discussed with generative AI, you may not want to make a healthcare decision on it right now uh, or a finance decision. <laughs> Obviously, they can yeah. hallucinate. But when you think about just ideation, coming up with ideas, fancy word for coming up with ideas and developing them, brainstorming, another word for that, uh, chewing the fat you know jam session this is just giving you so many jumping off points so when you start doing these analyses and the one i'm showing on the screen here if you're watching is for the venture capital school i'm thinking about starting like i want to start a program to train people to be associates at venture firms and right. have them work at our venture firm as part of it. it really does do a great job of giving you some ideas you know some of them are obvious leverage social media to share success stories of alumni and showcase the expertise of faculty members that's actually very succinctly said. If you were going to start a school, those would be two yeah. blocking and tackling things that you might forget. And yeah. you're like, oh, wow, you know, we should move that up the list. Obviously, testimonials and, you know, uh, the dossiers of our faculty members would be critical. So the other thing is when you look at this, uh, when I make investments in early stage companies, everybody asks me, like, how do you make your decisions? And one of them is uh, product velocity. You can see here, they have updated their you know, whole site since we talked to them a month ago or something. So they definitely are adding things like path to an MVP and unique selling point. I don't think we're part of the analysis. And here they're upselling you. Hey, you got to pay yep. for this, right? So yeah. back to the wrapper companies. I think there's so many ways to add value to, you know, some verticalized app, whether it's travel, whether it's business analysis, sales, you can add so much. Imagine taking each of these ideas and using it as a jumping off point and just having group discussions inside yep. of this app right like just being able to store them you know people using these as jumping off points right or yeah. moving them from a bullet point to a base camp like a punch list you know a, yeah. a project management platform right you can go from ideation yeah. to project management pretty interesting idea right and i you know i've used it a few times now and a lot of people similar to you jake how like reach out and have an idea or something like that and i, I literally will just take what they sent me put it inside the tool and yes. send it back to them. Said, and now you're think a about genius this. advisor. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I'll be very transparent. I say, look, like yeah. these are the things you need to think about, right? Then, yeah. and then you know, it create. I think it's. I really think it's an incredible tool. I'm. I am excited we demoed them. I excited that they join. Yeah, the accelerator and you know, writing a little check that'll be nice. Yeah, too. yeah. All right. So uh, the voice demos. voices you're hearing: Jason Calacanis, angel investor; Sonny Madra, co-founder of Definitive Intelligence. They provide AI enhanced data analytics of uh public and private data including 
autonomous data science agents. That means people going out on the internet and working on your behalf. Not people. So we like to do robots. demos. Robots. <laughs> bots. Yeah. Yeah, agents, bots. bots. Agents, uh, you know, yeah. Pick whatever term you like. Listen, I work with super early stage companies that launch, like literally year zero. They haven't even incorporated yet. And then we hit the Series A. People have thousands of dollars in MRR. And they maybe they've only raised a couple of hundred thousand before that Series A. And they don't have their insurance set up. And in fact, we recently had a great startup that didn't have DNO, and we had to really stop everything because they were having board meetings, they were making massive decisions, there were legal issues, and they didn't have the basic DNO insurance that protects directors and officers. So we sent them right to Embroker. Embroker is business insurance built specifically for startups. A single application will help your startup get four quotes for four lines of coverage in 15 minutes. Think about that. Four quotes, four lines, 15 minutes. And they're going to connect you with one of their expert brokers for unmatched service that goes beyond your policy. We use it at launch. It's easy peasy lemon squeezy. It's easy breezy. What more do I need to tell you? I use it. I love it. A lot of our startups use it. They love it. Try and broker today with the code twist and you'll get 10% off their startup package in broker.com slash twist. That's E-M-B-R-O-K-E-R.com slash twist and use the code twist for 10% off. Okay, let's get back to this amazing episode. So let's get into our demos. We always like to okay. talk about demos and uh, we're, you and I are on the chat thread and we're constantly sharing things we find on the internet, people talking yes. about stuff, generative AI, it's obviously moving quickly here. So what do you got for us this week? Okay. So this is a, a build off of something that we've been continuing on a theme on, which is yeah. from transcription to or to, to uh, subtitles. Mm -hmm. And you know what? After last week, I found this tool, which is called Clap. And yeah. what it does is you give it a, a link to a YouTube video. Uh, in, in this case, the free version is limited to under 30 minutes. So I found this uh, clip from your session with Tim Ferriss. Oh, cool. Uh, and in this particular session, you were talking about wealth and happiness. Yeah. Uh, this might, you know, it's Tim Ferriss. I'm assuming the whole thing might have been a couple of hours because he doesn't do seven minute yeah, podcasts. Yeah, two hour podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I haven't listened to it, but. Now I've listened to this clip. And so I gave it the clip. And then what it does is it, it What's generated, it's called clap.app, K-L-A-P.A-P-P. Yeah. Okay. And what it's done is it's generated nine TikTok style videos from that seven Ooh. minute clip. Got it. And those videos have all the standard um, uh, subtitling and all that. But what I really like is it found a way to generate nine videos, and it gave them all a virality score. Hmm. And so the first one here has a virality score of 85 out of 100. And it's, it, it explains that uh, this video has a high virality potential because it touches on a relatable topic of redefining success beyond financial wealth. What wow. a really interesting thing that it kind of pulled from that discussion, right? Yep. And then it, it sees your enthusiasm and passion for life can resonate with viewers. And it gives a reason of why this wow. thinks this is 85. That's and pretty it, you know, scary. I'm, <laughs> I mean, good. Why if is I it asked scary? a video editor, you know, like an offshore video editor, why this was a good viral clip, they, they, they wouldn't be able to say, right? In all likelihood. Yeah. But, and this goes back to our theme, AI. Remember, J. Cal, yeah. we were talking about last week and said 18 months, it'll be as good as humans and even wow. better. I and mean, this, so, is the, this is the crazy bet that you have made. I, in 18 months, should be, we'll be sitting here in... Uh, the new year, basically yeah. January 2025, you're claiming, yeah. Sandeep, that in January 1st, 2025, like it's going to be as good as a human to do these kind yeah. of tasks. That is a bold prediction, but I, I, I would have a hard time saying over under. I might say over by a little bit. Yeah. But it could be under by a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. But we're not in orders of magnitude anymore. We're just within like, you know, you're not saying 10 years away, right? So no, 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 no. And, it's not, it's yeah. not the 20 year. It used to always yeah. be when you made a prediction, hey, when will we have flying cars, you say 20 years, because nobody remembers you made the bet. Yeah. Whereas and so if you do the, it under you know, 10, you might know And you bet. can see it's done all that. And then, you know, as you scroll through, it shows different scores. See, this uh -huh. one is a 72 out of 100. This mm -hmm. is a 72. This is a 70. And you can go right. 68. And so this, I'm just looking at number six out of them and says, yeah. well, why is this a 68? Well, this is moderate potential for virality, and it's the topic about finding fulfillment and doing what you love is relatable and can resonate with a wide audience, et cetera. And so, and it explains, however, the lack of visual elements and the length of video may limit its reach ah. compared to, and it, so it's kind of looking at like 
just the real nuances of what so they trained it that the clip is too long yes. and it's not visually exciting enough yeah because so maybe in it would that be cool one if i could say add collateral and make it more well, you know, it's funny. That's exactly what Nick and I were talking about when we were just doing like our dry run here. Huh. We're like, that's the next phase where you're like, okay, we'll make it better for me. Take yes. this from a 68 and make this into a 100. You know, that's a standard so, collateral thing. Like what we did, we did yeah. a video one time on our TikTok where I was talking about the movie, The Founder. And yeah. uh, it got a little bit of traffic. But then I say, can you remake that and put clips from the movie in it? Yeah. And then that one was the one that went viral. Yeah. So, so yeah. look, you know, this is just an evolution and, you know, I'm going to make another prediction in less than three months, we'll find one that does what, you know, both of you guys are saying, which is now it's taking a seven minute thing, turning it into 10 clips and scoring them. I think in less than three months, we'll have one of these that'll not only take the clips, but it'll, it'll, it'll give it the boost of what's needed um, through an understanding of, you know, either yep. doing like, you know, adding amazing like in transitions and things like that in. Yeah. Well, I mean, and if you fed it, which I'm, I'm guessing, well, what do you think the founders did there? Do you think they said, here are some heuristics we know. These are great rules. So, you know, look at each video under, you know, with, and in the prompt or something, yeah. they're saying, Hey, examine the video for these qualities, visually appealing quotes, so, whatever. Or do you think they said, here are, these are trended videos from TikTok you know, infer what should come, yeah. you know, in the next video. Because if it did, it'd be like, you should be a sorority girl dancing <laughs> during Rush Week. Do, yeah. Um, <laughs> those are pretty popular right now. Unbelievable. Is, um, what I would say is- They don't is, have I a think, block on TikTok. Why don't they have a block on TikTok? Like, can I just say, no, none of this, just more food, yeah, more they don't dogs. Yeah, exactly. I need to just tell them, yeah. please, no more dancing yeah. uh, sorority girls and, uh, in my feed. And it's like the group chats that get you. Because yeah. someone will send you something in a group chat and you open it and then it's like in your oh. algorithm, right? Oh, right. Yes. If somebody sends you something, yeah, now you're yeah. now you're tied to it forever. Yeah, Actually, that's exactly. So that's like TikTok bombing. You could TikTok yeah. bomb somebody. <laughs> if I sent you like, oh my God, these five TikToks are amazing. And I send you yeah. five TikToks yeah. about like people who like to dress like evil clowns. Yeah. And now I've like turned your TikTok into like evil yeah. clown talk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the TikTok it's bomb. It's like there's a, it's um <laughs> remember the Rick rolls? There's an equivalent yeah, yeah, here yeah. of Rick rolling. Yeah, yeah. The TikTok. So mommy. what do you think they did here? I think they just put in their heuristics, right? I, I think so. It's it's very similar to like, you know, Venturis, right? Where yeah. look, there is some set of frameworks that people understand, right? In their case around business, in this case around what it takes to make a viral TikTok. I think in building a startup, it's you know built by two folks. I think it's like Look, they've uh, they've started, and I think they have their names at the bottom. We can give them a quick shout out here. So it's built by uh, you know Theo and Victor here. Oh, hey Theo, hey Victor. Yeah, and so look, my my guess is that they haven't done the you know deep training of like here's a bunch of videos, figure out what happened, apply right. it. I think it's like they have some known you know uh, formats and and things that they want it to talk about because in you know, some of it's a little bit repetitive. You can see it say the mm. same thing, but look, if you're gonna build these things. This is where we, where we started the conversation. A location API just gives you, you know, where a person is just some lat long, right? You've yeah. got to build a lot of infrastructure around to build a company and you don't build, start up by building all the infrastructure. You no. kind of crawl, walk, run. So I would start in the same spot if I was them. Yeah. And you can totally see that the people who are jumping in, figuring out how to do these verticals, which you could be cynical and say, oh, I, if I had the right prompts and I had an unlimited amount of time, I could be on ChatGPT doing this myself, right? Yeah. But we all don't have unlimited time and we yeah. all don't, uh, you know, sit there and obsess over it. So, yes, you could theoretically build your own Airbnb, like make a message board software <laughs> yeah. and then, you know, email all your friends and say, does anybody have a place or know somebody? I mean, yes, you could do all that work yep. or you could let Airbnb maintain it, right? Yeah. And build the network totally. effects. Okay. What's next here? Okay, so next is an interesting one. This is like one that is kind of near and dear in some ways, but like, and it, I think it it makes oh. sort of the use of the technology easier here. What is the name of this? Oh, sorry. This one is called Kick Resume. Kick Resume. Okay. And, and like the, the, these resume builders have been around for a while. Like that's sure. not a new concept, but like this one uses the power of AI in a couple of different ways. And so I kind of did like a, and it can pull your stuff in from LinkedIn. I didn't want to have it do that because I just didn't want it mm. to scrape my LinkedIn, yep. but it has the ability to do it. And what I can do here is I can say, I'm going to add work experience. So I've just got like, you know, for the folks listening, I have a resume UI on the right-hand side. 
And I have uh, on the left-hand side where I can add, so I'm going to add work experience. You have like prompts say, over there, like add a work yeah, experience, like a form. Yeah, yeah exactly. So I'm going to say, uh, I say working at Twist, and I'm going to say I'm a podcast host, right? Yeah. And you know what I'm going to do and say, oh, you know what? I don't know what to do because like resumes are tough. I, and so yeah. I have this AI writer and I can basically say generate content. And mm-hmm. I say, well, for what is I say podcast host and generate. And you can see here on the left, it starts to write the content and on the right it starts to put it into the resume and fill it in for wow. me and so right look and it, it does this for all the different sections like your skills and you know yeah. and, and other areas it's strengths. an incredible starting point because yeah. it says here like listen i collaborated with a team of producers editors and sound engineers to ensure <laughs> seamless production and delivery of high quality podcast episodes maintaining a strict release schedule and meeting all project deadlines who knows where the, the you know ChatGPT or whatever <laughs> Claude or whatever they're using yeah. here got that information, but somebody apparently had put that on their resume, and so it scraped it or you know and then put it into its language model. Guess the next word. What's the most next likely next next word after collaborated with yeah. for people who are having podcast producers like, or podcast yeah, exactly. hosts? And uh, here you have it, and it's a great way to start because you'd say you know we didn't have uh, really sound engineers, we just had editors, so collaborated yeah. with. And oh, it wasn't really a team. It was a producer and an editor. So I collaborated yeah. with, you know, a senior producer, an editor, and you could just edit it from here. Yeah. But again, brainstorming with you and suggesting things that you might not have thought of and giving you great, perfect grammar and in, in structure. And, and look, like, it, this goes back to, yeah, can you do this in open AI? You can, but you're not going to get a full-on framework like the resume that's coming out of it right and you may not know like the template you want to do it in around work experience and the tense and the voice and this helps now beyond that it does some interesting things it has like this ai toolbox which i'm just loading up here so we'll give it a second and what it'll do is it has a um it'll score your resume for you yeah and it'll tell you hey you know you've got these repetitive verbs maybe you're doing it it's got like a built yeah yeah Drive, exactly results you're using like yeah. you know words that yeah. are overused yeah and look and you know it's got a checklist make sure you got your email address last name work experience it's telling me i didn't put my phone number and uh, i don't have an education section uh it's giving me some benchmark scores in terms of like word count start date end dates you know just a bunch of framework stuff which you know i, I thought was really cool it then has a a section that will help you prepare wow. for a job interview. Okay, so, so put in here you want to be yeah. a podcast producer. Podcast producer, sure. Yeah. I want a podcast job. host producer. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Can you tell and us about your experience as CEO co-founder and how you contributed to the company's growth and success so that was based on your first title on your resume. my first you had that. yeah yeah exactly what strategies did you implement to increase market share and establish the company as a key player in the industry how did you secure venture capital funding uh and utilize to it to expand operations and accelerate product development these are great questions and yeah this would be great if you think about this like a resume coach to run you through an equivalent here would be hundreds to low thousands of dollars like what does a resume coach slash writer charge 500 bucks a thousand bucks probably uh, yeah i i never had to use one other than when i was in college when we used to do co-ops and then our you know department you co-op, yeah. our co-op department help us with that stuff but yeah. um but you know look this is a real thing for folks like you know people still yeah, like, you know expect resumes and even if you're applying maybe even to be a it's fantastic a job at any level and Look, not a lot of people have access to these kind of tools and, you know, they may not know what to do. In, and this going back to, but well, maybe we'll stick on that theme today. A lot of people may not know what to do in chat GPT if you got access to it, even for free and say, how to, how to have it help me with a resume. This puts a framework around it. Yeah. And, and it may, you know, makes it a lot, you know, more straightforward. Great. Awesome. Yeah. Um, really. And then you can download it, proofread it. And it's got yeah, this career coach stuff, section as well. All the basic stuff. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and when it gets more and more data, it's going to get better and better. So, you know, it's right now they don't have, you know, I think when they get a hundred podcasting related people to build their resume yeah. in there, now they'll have yeah. a training set for podcasters. I mean, of yeah. course, they're probably scraping uh, a ton of like resumes they're finding on, you know, career sites or LinkedIn and, yeah. Yeah. you know, building up data. But, yeah. you know, th- th- that's going to be one of the interesting 
big debates. There was a company in Israel that f- sued LinkedIn and won, or LinkedIn sued them and the company won. That was just scraping, you know, basic data off of LinkedIn's public profiles, and they wound up winning. So LinkedIn tried to stop them from taking that data. So now, of course, building a derivative product, I don't think you're going to win. But it was HiQ Labs that did that. You can look it up, HIQ Labs. Okay, listen, you got an idea for a tech startup. Great. You think you want to change the world. You think you, you got this. This is the one. Well, you've got that same problem that we all do. You don't have an engineer or you don't have enough engineers to make this happen. And you need product velocity. You need to go fast. And how are you going to go fast? And how are you going to control your burn rate if you got no engineers? Well, what if you had a partner who could provide you with more than a thousand on-demand developers? And those developers were all vetted, experienced, result-oriented, and passionate about startups and building great products. Well, what if they also charge competitive rates? Does this all sound too good to be true? I know it does. Well, then you need to head to Lemon.io because your dreams have come true right now. Startups, choose Lemon.io because they only offer hand-picked developers with three or more years of experience and ones that have strong portfolios. Only 1% of candidates who apply to work at Lemon.io actually get accepted. And if anything goes wrong, Lemon will get you a replacement ASAP. A couple of great launch founders have worked with Lemon.io, people in our portfolio, and they have had great experiences. So I want you to learn more at Lemon.io slash twist. And when you go there, you're going to find your perfect developer or an entire tech team. And you're going to do that in 48 hours or less. And twist listeners get 15% off the first four weeks. I want you to stop burning money. I want you to hire developers smarter and faster. Visit lemon.io slash twist and give it a shot. Jacob, you have this like uncanny way. uh, And this was like, like the demo coming up after the next one, but I'm going to jump forward. Okay. Because, um, you know, the topic you're talking about is like, and I know you've been talking about this a lot for the, um, you know, the team at launch and inside. So this is a new service called browse AI. And what they do is they make it super easy for you to build a structured data extraction robot or a site monitoring robot. Hmm. Um, and uh, this one, I'll just play their video because it's a little bit. What, what do those um, words mean in uh, English? Sorry. <laughs> okay. If extract one, structured if, data monitor. Yeah, if you want to scrape, if you wanted to scrape okay. something from a site. And so if there was a website like ESPN and ESPN yeah. had a bunch of player profiles. And you yeah. say, you know what, I just want to get their last five games points scored. Yeah. There's no API to do that. Uh, or I might not be a programmer. But yeah. I could use this tool to structure, yes. take all the Knicks players and give me how many points they scored and then tweet it out. Yeah, this, correct. Where every 15 minutes, X out, tweet out, yeah. post to XDoc. <laughs> okay, use the <laughs> tweet. I'm going to still say tweet yeah. so we know what we're talking yeah. about. Yeah. yeah. Tweet to X.com that, yeah. you know, how many points, you know, Brunson or Steph Curry, right? You can have Steph yep. Curry point score. Every time he scores a point, it tweets. Yep. You would be able to get the data through this and then put it in there. Got it. So one one is like, uh, so th- they have two <clears throat> two types of robots. One is like sort of like a one time, like you just want to pull a bunch of data. Ah, okay. And the second one is site monitoring changes, right? Mm-hmm. And so yep. one is like, imagine you're trying to monitor a competitor's pricing and you're like, oh, mm-hmm. I want to make sure if they... If they set their pricing lower, I set my pricing lower. And this first one is more like, hey, I've got a research job and I've got to scrape a thousand profiles and I need to put it into some kind of tool. And so what they do in this example, and I'll just, I'll, I'm going to just quickly scroll through okay. it. I won't play it because it's a seven minute video. But the example that they do here is, and I, I'm assuming they must be Y Combinator funded. I didn't check, but they scrape the Y Combinator logged in site. So they even allow mm-hmm. you to log into something. And it scrapes the Y Combinator site. And the way it does it is, and this is like a fantastic use of AI, you basically install a plugin. And with that plugin, you kind of highlight the sections you want. You tell it what those sections mean on the page. So you can say like, this is the company name. This is the location. This is the description. And then basically it will, from that, create the scraper for you. And then ultimately that turns into like a, a list that exists on their site here, right? That has the location, the logo, the link and everything else. And so it does what, you know, you would typically ask a programmer to do if they're writing a crawler for you and uh, does it sort of by using a browser plugin and your own uh, like human knowledge around it and it automates it for you. And then it can dump it into, I think you'll see in here, they'll dump it into like a a Google sheet, right? They'll export it to a Google sheet here. And then here you go. So this is that 
all that Y Combinator information from the logged insight of Y Combinator companies, and they've got all the different parameters here. So going, you know, I know you've been talking about this a lot, needing this for research or needing this for you know, a lot of different purposes. Now you have the ability to do this, you know, pretty easily without any programming knowledge. And um, how is it doing the AI? The AI is to figure out what the different columns are in your spreadsheet eventually? Exactly. Like what they're doing is, and, and look like I, you know, we should maybe have them on or something to talk yeah. about it in more detail. But like, my guess is that when you install the browser plugin and you yeah. tell it the sections you want that it, underneath the hood, they're taking that and turning it into the, the you know, grabbing those sections in code and saying, mm. Hey, the name lives here. This lives here. Got and it. then they're using that to then like code interpreter, write a script that says, Hey, I know that in these CSS elements, in, a, in these HTML elements, this is where the name is. So go and mm. grab it from me by going to this URL. Got it. And then how does it know where to go for the next one, the next one, the next one, and like do the crawling part? That's the, that's the AI bit, right? Ah. That's like that when you show it two or three, it knows, okay, it figures out the pattern. Mm. Like, H, you know, you've written some HTML back in the day, right? You'd see yeah, like sure. H1 and then it'd be sitting in a table and you just see it over again. That AI can kind of figure that out from from wow. that repetitive nature of it. So there'll be, in a way, it's an intelligent crawler. So it's an yes. AI crawler in addition to an AI data analysis tool. It's probably doing. It's probably it's not analysis. It's it's an extraction tool. It's not doing any. Yeah, analysis. you would do your it's analysis just, and code interpreter. Yeah, exactly. Once you have it, yeah. So it's yeah. just extracting. Yeah, I, I think this is why you may have seen uh, Twitter like didn't allow people, or Facebook doesn't allow people who aren't logged in to see data. And yep. this is the reason these tools are getting so sophisticated. Yes. And then, you know, if you're not, so they're going to require you to be logged in so they can, if you load too many pages in too short a period of time, they can turn you off. And then yep. the concept of an open web with data on it is kind of going away, yeah. which is in some ways yeah. is sad because if you leave all the pages open and you don't stop people, they can just fire up crawler after crawler with different IP yeah. addresses and then just, you know, over time have everything you and it's, it's, it's a tough balance because in this case, like they'll allow you to log in. So they're doing it as a browser plugin. So they'll even allow you to log in and then let the browser run automated. So they'll yes. work around like sort of some of the, the automated crawl issues. Now yeah. I think by running it through a browser, it'll stop like, like it's not feasible to crawl all the tweets that have You're ever happened. You're not going to load 10,000 pages. Exactly. But if you so, load a thousand, it probably won't care. And if you do it every five yeah. seconds, it won't care. But if you do it too yeah. fast. The website might have a trigger that says anybody loading over 10 pages, Yeah, you know, I don't know. Anybody loading over 100 pages a minute is a, is a spider. Yeah. So, you know, and, throttle them. Yeah. And I think like the flip side to that, because I know you're like the flip side is, yeah, like sometimes you're doing some work and you want a list of folks, right? And yeah. it is something like, look, I pay for LinkedIn and LinkedIn's pretty expensive. Like, you yeah, know, no, hundreds of dollars a year, thousands yeah, of dollars yeah. a year. Exactly. Yeah, if I want to so, get a list of 100 podcast producers, why can't I do that? And they're like, well, you yeah. can do it. We just want to slow you down because you're a paying customer so yeah. that you load one page at a time. And it would be better if I could say, put if I, if I could do searches of up to 100 people at a time, and I could do this yeah. 100 times a year, so up to 10,000 people as a paid user, and I could export up to 10,000 records at a time, that would be fantastic. Yeah. But instead, people have to use tools like this. And, and the people who get the value are not the paying customers. The people who get the value are the people who are the most gray hat hackers who are able to yeah. do this kind of stuff. Whereas yeah. the people who actually have a valid business use, eh, they don't. But yeah, that would be like a cool tool if if your premium account let you, you know, give you gave you the results instead of in the kind of, you know, web page after web page results. Yeah. If it gave you actually a, a, a more of a table, you know? Yeah, which Crunchbase yeah. does. So yeah, I mean, that, that's my idea. Basically, premium is you get some structured data as opposed to unstructured data. Yeah, uh, unpay if you're not paying, you get the web page. Yeah. But the everyone data on creates. It. Everyone wants walled gardens, right? And that's the problem. Yeah. Versus like you know, and and if you're using it for business, it's challenging. But another great segue, Jacob. You're on fire today. This is going to be a okay. good week for you. Quick segue. Yeah. yeah, this is a new style of uh, like Zoom info tool. Okay. Uh, so it's like lead research. So I don't know if you guys yeah, Zoom use info. Zoom info. We have yeah. an investment in a company called Lead IQ. There's yeah. Zoom info. Yeah. Yeah. So, so this is like sort of an AI powered one. Mm -hmm. And, uh, what it does is like, you give it like a name of a company and, you know, like I'll give it some, one of our customers and, and then like, it'll just find like similar companies related to it. Right. And so, 
I find um, it's like really great. Like it's, it's sort of, um, and if you don't know what you're looking for, you can ask the AI to help you and say, oh, like, I, you know, find me companies in this particular industry and it'll ah. give you kind of ideas and names. And so the whole, the whole, look, it's like an AI lookalike finder, which I thought mm. was like really neat. Cause I, I, I think Zoom Info is great and we use it. But like what we're seeing now is this enhancement in and around the search interface that exists, right? Yeah. And so this allows you to kind of leverage the power of AI for search. Um, and, you know, uh, re related but unrelated, like we even saw this, and I, I think you had a back and forth with Elon on Twitter last week where someone was complaining about like search on X and he's like, yeah, we're going to make it better with AI. So we're just starting to see that happen in all industries where someone's like, let me make the AI, like, let me leverage the AI to make the search so much better on my product. And then that lets them get a chance to even just build a competitive product. Right. And so, yeah. Uh, so if I go here and I write HR software and it'll, it'll basically come up with a list of companies that it believes, you know, are, are good for HR software and, and, uh, you know, I'm off to the races for my, my lead gen work. Fantastic. Yeah. That is yeah. definitely, um, yeah. what people are there looking for. And there's going to be, you know, and then there's also write the email for me to contact this person or research this person, tell me more about, you know, the targets yeah. at this company. So you can find people by sector. You can find people by, um, yeah, you can find people by a specific company, all of those different things. And this is what people use things like G2 or, you know, other software, Captera, different software yeah. rating websites. And they'll go to the yeah. software rating websites and say, Hey, I've got a partnership with Zapier who's similar to Zapier? Oh, if this, then that, this other automation tool. Oh, I use Notion and Coda. What are other knowledge management, you know, business process tools? Boom, here are the other ones. And so, yeah, it's very, very powerful, I think, to help find leads and then to get you in touch with the right person. And this is going to just lead to many more people contacting us to sell us <laughs> SaaS software, which to be honest, I'm there for it. I love SaaS software. The f I am been able to, I, I would say conservatively, I've been able to get 25% lift every year using SaaS software. And now with AI, I think it's going to get us to like 40, 50% lift every year. We just did an analysis inside our company and I haven't really reviewed it yet, but I got it yesterday okay. where people talked about all the major tasks they do and then how many they have times they have to do that a year, then how much time it takes to do each time and then normalize that into minutes and hours and you know, it's like, okay, sorting through the inbound companies yep. takes us, you know, each week, you know, whatever it is, 400 companies, five minutes per company to sort them. Now that sounds yep. like, okay, so that doesn't sound like a lot, but, you know, five times, times 400 minutes is 2,000 minutes, 2,000 minutes to divide it by 60. Hey, it starts to be like, okay, that's a full-time job just doing that yep. uh, at least. And could you use AI to do that? Right. And the AI could sort it. Hey, these are the, or you could, we, we have our own internal ways of sorting it. Like, is there a product in market or not? You know, so yep. we, we already have some sort of sorting. But over time, we can look at the companies we've invested in that have been successful and then try to put it against this database. And I think that's two years out, but I do think that that's why I'm building up this database of all these startups is to start to get yeah. that knowledge. Well, you know, the other thing that's happening is in what you just talked about there. When you force your team to take processes that are loosely documented and are maybe even heavily documented, but put them into like a, an AI framework, mm. um, what you're doing is you're capturing and memorializing that and you're codifying yeah. it. And yeah. for many companies, a lot of times that knowledge get lost. So I don't yeah. know, like, you know, for you, but if you have like a really great analyst and yeah. that analyst, most of it's documented, but there's a few steps that aren't. I think there's a real power for companies to to move stuff into the AI world by documenting these processes. Yes, yes. Yeah. It, it, it's 100% correct. If you're forced to document everything you're doing or teach somebody else how to do it through the documentation, and this is the right first culture that did yeah. particularly well at Amazon, where people had to write like little yeah. six pagers, they call them. And there's a great book working backwards that explains the philosophy and there's tons of short articles about it on the internet. But basically, if you have to write something down, you explain it to people, they'll even write the press release for a product they haven't launched, or they'll write the FAQ. And they'll have an internal FAQ frequently asked questions and an external one for customers or partners. And if you have to write those, you have to brainstorm, hey, what are the questions people are going to ask me about this new product or service I'm making? Or if you're taking an internal process and doing an FAQ for it, you know, you just 
the, whatever the most common questions people have, which could come from a meeting or it could come from brainstorming or AI, you'll have documented it, which means the, which then means you could make an AI process out of it eventually. And I think, you know, w that's starting to happen inside the enterprise, right? And that's, you know, one of the things that we've seen on the enterprise side of things is the big consulting firms are making huge investments because they, you know, they've had these eras, right? They had the client server era, they had yep. the, you know, migration to Linux era, the cloud era. And, and now, you know, they're having this AI one. And, and yep. in this particular one, the unlock is, is incredible and it's huge for them. So, yeah. All, All right. right. This has been amazing. Well done. Tons of great great uh demos that got us all thinking about how ai will impact our startups and the enterprise sandeep madra definitive intelligence thank you so much you can follow him on twitter he's at sandeep. are you sunny or sandeep 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 at sandeep yeah. on twitter yeah. and uh in between these monday episodes he's talking about ai and you'll get a little preview of probably what he's going to talk about here uh, if you follow him on twitter okay next up on the pod igor from tonebase tonebase is a subscription-based service that we invested in that has grown phenomenally over the years. And uh, people pay to learn how to play classical guitar, or violin, et cetera. It's an incredible interview uh, about getting true product market fit. Stick with us. If you want to get ahead in your career, then you got to be ready to fight every day. You got to grind it out day after day. This is obvious. You're listening to This Week in Startups. You're grinding right now. But if you're a workhorse, you need to get a good night's sleep. Period. Full stop. We all know that getting great sleep equals better performance the next day. Sleep is a secret weapon, and your secret weapon to getting great sleep is eight sleep. You know I love my eight sleep mattress. I use it every night. I got it in both houses because I want to be able to get control my temperature, and I want to make sure I optimize my sleep. And you can do this with their new product, the Pod Cover by Eight Sleep. Fits on any bed, just like a fitted sheet. It's going to keep you cool all night, all the way down to 55 degrees Fahrenheit, if you like, and it will improve your sleep by automatically adjusting the temperature on each side of the bed, and you get personalized sleep reports. If you're one of those quantified self people, you're going to love this feature. And when you get great sleep, you get great performance. And listen, everybody's been talking about it publicly on Twitter.com. I'm sorry, X.com. Pinocos, Paul Graham, Zuck, myself, everybody's been talking about how great eight sleep is. Invest in the rest that you deserve by going to 8sleep.com slash twist. They're going to give you 150 bucks off the pod cover because you're friends with this podcast. That's E-I-G-H-T-S-L-E-E-P.com slash twist for $150 off the pod cover. And they're shipping not just in the US and Canada, but they got the UK and select countries in the EU and Australia. All right, welcome back to the program. Next up is Igor Lickman. He is the CEO and co-founder of Tonebase. They provide online music education from expert instructors. How do I know this company? Well, uh, they came to our Accelerator's 10th class back in 2018. Uh, the Launch Accelerator is just seven companies. We introduced them to a couple of hundred investors and helped them with their pitch and how to think about scaling their business. And now they're doing millions in revenue. I won't say exactly how much, but they've got thousands and thousands of subscribers and they teach you four instruments currently, classical guitar, piano, violin, and now uh, cello. It's not cheap when compared to your Netflix, but it's not expensive when compared to uh, hiring a music teacher. So think uh, 50 bucks a month, 300 a year, something to that effect. So Igor, welcome to the program. Thanks, Jason. Excited to be here. So when we met, you were trying to figure out product market fit. You had some videos up on a website and uh, online education was starting to become a thing. I am most interested in how you've been able to, I, I wouldn't say bootstrap the company, but you have been incredibly frugal uh, or capital efficient, as we like to say internally. You've been incredibly capital efficient while getting product market fit. So the, the subscribers to Tonebase are very loyal. So maybe you could explain a little bit about what you've learned over the last five years in growing from you know, tens of thousands to, to millions in revenue from dozens of subscribers to thousands. Uh, what have you learned about product market fit and how to scale a company so capital efficiently? Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, there's so many, many things, you know, we, we, we learn. But I mean, I think what it comes down to is to really 
narrowing down and focusing on that exact thing that you can prove that you solve for your customers. It's um, there's always a discrepancy between the ideas that we have and the missions and the visions and the big kind of you know idea for the future. But at the end of the, the end of the day, we'll learn that like ultimately. I mean, you know, it's nothing new here. You probably heard this, you know, and this is one of the things that you also recommend to your founders all the time. Focus yeah. on the customer, provide solution to the problems and um, do more of that over time. Yeah. And how do you or how have you been able to understand the customer needs? What, what are the tools and techniques that you've used and added to your toolkit over the years? to really understand the users so then you can refine the products. And, you know, because sometimes users tell you they want something, you build it, and then nobody uses it. So it's almost like, you know, you ask them like, hey, what if you ask somebody what we should add to the product, they might tell you a bunch of things that they have no interest in using. So now your user is just guessing and throwing ideas at you like in a brainstorming session, as opposed to, hey, we've studied their behavior, and we talk to them, and we know they want X, Y, and Z, and then they actually use it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, so in terms of like tools, I mean, obviously everyone is using the same kind of like if we're talking about data analytics, we're using all the the, the heaps of the world and kind of like in, in, in all that and just kind of like understand. I mean, we're like a video, like the way we solve problems for our customers is through video content. It's live and it's pre-recorded. So this is kind of like the the canvas, the vessel, how we kind of like, mm. you know, pack its value and then give it to the customer. And I think it was through, yeah, just like over time, just like recording a lot of stuff and uh, releasing it and just tracking, you know, and then you see that some things get a lot of engagement, some things then don't get a lot of engagement. And then like over months and quarters, you kind of like realize it, huh? Somehow it's always the same things that kind of like tend to get a lot of engagement and a lot of use from our customers. And then so we kind of like, you know, try to kind of like narrow in and kind of like really zero in on, on that type of videos and that type of content and uh, and really build build things, build things from there. How much of the business has turned out to be live versus library? And this is something content creators always think about. We did a little experiment here with live shows. It was good. Uh, people liked it, you know, us talking about the news, but uh, it seems like what they really wanted was founder guests, investor guests really going deep on uh, information as opposed to live. How do you look at the world? What, what have you discovered about live versus library? Yeah, live is certainly a, um, a certain important aspect of the of the um, overall product experience. But I think it's just it's just, let's say 30 to 40% really. I mean, I think uh, at the end of the day, it's it's content because with content with pre-recorded content, you just have so much more control over the final outcome. Like you can design the solution for that problem that you're trying to solve with that piece of content. Whereas with live, it's more like a point in time kind of situation. It also mm -hmm. really heavy depends on the on the artist, it heavy depends on the format. We do use some of um, kind of the like group workshops and kind of like webinars where people can like ask questions and sometimes, you know, play something and present and we bring instructors in. But at the end of the day, you know, I think it's it really comes down to like content and um, really targeted content specific to, to people's problems. Mm, let's demo the product real quick. What we're looking at here is, um, is the dashboard, you know, I can like log in. And uh, the majority of our customers are sort of like intermediate through advanced. So these are not people that just kind of like bought the guitar yesterday. They're a little bit more inexperienced and they know what they want. It's basically uh, the this is the content library. You know, people can either learn a piece or develop their skills and knowledge, right? So let's assume, you know, I want to learn the Moonlight Sonata. Um, that's a piece by Beethoven. That's something that I uh, want to play. Um, then I find this new course by Seymour Bernstein, who is a, a fabulous, wonderful musician. It's a ninety-six-year-old man, great, great artist. Actually, Ethan Hawke made a, a documentary uh, um, of him. And um, so here, um, I'll just drop down the volume a little bit. So basically, this is the format. This is this wonderful. Um, Musician who spent his whole life, you know, teaching and 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 um, kind of like playing this music, uh, walking the viewer through the pieces. We see here we built a number of kind of like you know custom tools to enhance the learning experience. We have the scores. That so I see you can download the workbook, download the edition, and so this is all 
a custom video player. So unlike YouTube, you can't have all this stuff on YouTube and here you can have all this backup material, et cetera, oh, built yeah. right into the video. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So this is built right into the video. And then obviously we have thousands of these videos and, um, yeah, and also, you know, the beginning of uh, when the customer signs up, they're assigned a level based. They mm -hmm. go through like an onboarding quiz and we ask them a number of questions, a number of to identify kind of like their playing proficiency. And then based on their playing proficiency, this is kind of like where we go from creating content. And it's been, it's been a relatively recent development, something we're very excited about. This question, how do we personalize the learning experience? How do we really make sure that each customer is paired with the right uh, type of video and so here we have from level one to level 12 and um, based on that level um, people are recommended a number of uh, you know courses repertoire skills and knowledge mm. and um, yeah so this is kind of like how the content consumption functions and obviously then we have the the live events that are in various formats you know sometimes it's artists that come in and we inter interview them sometimes it's webinars sometimes it's workshops sometimes it's group settings and then obviously there is a big aspect of the uh, platform is the community, which is which is very important to a number of customers. Um, it's really this ability to interact, you know, with each other. But also, you know, we have things like you know community challenges. You know, where we ask people to like this, for instance. You know, was just one unfinished business Say what challenge. It is. Yeah. So. Yeah. And so we basically here we ask the people. So we give them a prompt. And be like, hey, we all have these pieces that we kind of started, but then never really finished, right? So like, Got it. go in and here's your unfinished unfinished business challenge. And um, yeah, and people are participating. Um, wow, that's great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they're uploading. Uh, and yeah. And so, you know, typically when we invest in a startup, we look for great founders who uh, understand their customers really well and build and are just have product velocity. Um, but, you know, we really watch what investors say when they look at companies. And I think anytime you pick a niche here, classical music or, you know, music instruction for the higher end, people might say, Hey, the TAM is too small. Talk to me about, you know, what you actually think the TAM is for this product. Ultimately, can this be, you know, you're, you've proven you can make millions of dollars a year. Can it be tens of millions, hundreds of millions? And how do you get there? And how do you explain that to investors who maybe, you know, um, are skeptical? I mean, so the way we think about this is really bottoms up, really. I mean, I think, you know, we, we, we approach things from, you know, this understanding that, you know, if we are serving everyone who wants to finesse, improve their playing ability in an instrument, then I think, there's no skepticism that there's a lot of people that, you know, play instruments. The way it works for us is that like, we see um, the overall TAM not so much expressed in the number of individuals who participate, who are basically part of that market. Let's say, obviously, you know, the market for beginner guitarists, you know, or the market for, I don't know, people who want to ride a bicycle. I don't know, see, obviously yeah. larger of people. Um, but the way we kind of like qualify a market is less about the total size of that market, but um, by the market, the kind of like the value, how much people are willing to pay, right? I mean, right. I don't know, to make a very remote example, Palantir, they have like 100, 150 customers, you know, and they make a lot of, <laughs> a lot of revenue. Yeah, and they, they typically have three letter acronyms. So they have large budgets in here. The equivalent is, you know, you're not selling a $5 a month app you know we're talking about a 50 dollars a month app these people are 10 times more committed and, and probably even more than that but i would say 100 times more committed than a casual person looking for uh, music instruction the the um teachers uh, i understand it's um it's tough to make money as a musician obviously and a music teacher tough to make money as a music teacher really hard to find students if i'm a music teacher and i live in Reno, you know, I've got a population of one hour drive and I might have to drive to them. So is remote music and these live seminars and stuff like that, is is that just mind blowing for the teachers in terms of the ability to make money? Or how does the model work in terms of their compensation? Are you helping them make a business out of this? The way we work with instructors is both, I mean, on the pre-recorded -pre side, it's a, it's a one-off production. They're fairly yeah. compensated. 
on the live side of things, um, no, they're also like they're they're vetted. They have to be invited. So for us, really, it's about controlling the what we present to the customer. Um, so we don't really focus on one-on-one kind of like people can't really book one-on-one lessons with instructors as other players in that market. Personally, I don't necessarily believe this is a very viable uh, business solution, kind of like taking a cut of a transaction that's small already and the solution is a lesser version of the real thing, you know? So um, this is where uh, the the control kind of, you know, comes in. And this is where the the live aspect, the live kind of like portion of the product is is an important add-on, but it remains an add-on and kind of like I think... Yeah. And it does seem to build community. I saw when you were going through the community site, that's like a, a great way for people to meet each other. And it's hard. I mean, if you play cello or violin, you know, those are more niche instruments. The, those students probably um, don't get to interact with each other all that much. How many could there be if you lived in Reno? How many serious players are there? So the community aspect, does it drive revenue or does it just keep it from uh, help with retention? It certainly it certainly helps with engagement and with retention. Yeah, I mean, I think we haven't we haven't found a very direct correlation between revenue and community engagement, but we certainly know that um, some of the most uh, the, the power users, you know, they are very very active, and um, this is also where word of mouth happens. You know, where people talk to their, to their to their friends and their colleagues and their students and the teachers, and so I think this is this is. Um, but it's hard very to put like a to quantify the impact you know of the community on net revenue, if you will. How do you think about scaling the business from here? Uh, there's the venture community that put pressure on you, I think, and the entire startup ecosystem during the boom days, 19, 2019, 2020, 2021, go faster, go faster, burn money, invest. And now we have austerity. And uh, hey, can you hit profitability? How much runway do you have? How if, you know are you growing in a sustainable way? You've always taken the approach to grow sustainably. I get your <laughs> updates. I'm like, hey, can we grow faster? What ideas do you have? How, where is this all going? And you and I have always had this dialogue, and I've always respected that you are very committed to sustainable growth. So maybe you could talk a little bit about how investors and they're you know looking at tone base how they're maybe we're pushing you to go faster and then maybe now appreciating your methodical approach. Not that you're going slow, but you're going, you are going methodical. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think, you know, it just comes down rather to, to, to this, like, you know, I'd rather build something really, I'd rather grow to 200 million in like 10 years, you know, than yeah. crash and burn in three. Um, and so I, yeah, I think that, that the investors, uh, such as, you know, yourself, you know, who supported the business, you know, you know, they understand, you know, the, that every company has its, like every growth trajectory and every growth story is unique to each business and sort of like shoehorning every business across the board into one, you know, exponential viral, you know, um, growth expectation may or may not harm to the longer term outcome of the business. The way we think about really scaling the business is that like the music community or the art community is really it's fragmented by its mm. definition. You see, like you have like, obviously, um, when we talk about music, we have different genres within different genres. We have different uh, instruments within different instruments. We have different communities. See, and, and and the way we think about this is that if we can build one replicable, write one replicable playbook, how we deliver a product experience that's unparalleled, you know, mm. and then, Whereas it's the zero to one kind of, you know, approach, you know, we launched flutes, you know, this month within a month, you know, I can, I can, you know, I, I think it's fair to say we're the, the market leader in that sort of. Um, in flutes. Yes. And, and this is the playbook, just like Travis or DoorDash, they went exactly. from city to city. You're exactly. going instrument to instrument. You've got the playbook. How do you get the first hundred flute players involved? How, how do you reach flute players? There's no database of that or is it or does uh search-based advertising work are there communities on reddit or other message boards where that you can kind of participate in uh authentically to to get users my co-founder chris that that you know and that you you met you know who runs the marketing team he's obviously the the um more qualified to answer the question but obviously you know the way we think about high building is um you know, it's a combination of content, it's a combination of targeting the target community and creating, basically building a, a, a lead list. You know, we, we, we um, would run like 
tripwires, how we call them. It's like, hey, like, give us your email and download a free practice tip for flutist, for instance, you know, and then we built an, an email list of a couple thousand people, you know, and then we um, obviously recruit really famous flutists ahead of the launch, you know, who then share some of the trailers, you know, ahead of time that we prepare. And then um, we get those, to those hundred flutists and uh, actually in the first day, it was more than hundred, but. I'm curious about people um, having profiles on the site. Do people have profiles on the site yet? And can they kind of start to feature their work? Because that was the other thing I always thought as you, as I see the activity in the message boards, I would think some people might want to, you know, say, hey, here's my profile. You know, I'm tonebase.com slash, you know, Jason. And hey, here are here's some of my guitar solos and kind of making a profile. Have you thought about that? And then they could be public profiles where they share their passion for their instrument. Yeah, this is where the community comes in. You know, we're talking about UGC. This is where we encourage customers and users to share their progress, share their thoughts, share their ideas. If it comes to the pedagogical content that we then present, you know, to the customer, this is where we kind of like have to be very selective. And this is where, yeah, usually the this this idea of like, you know, UGC didn't didn't really work out so far hmm. oh so, but you, so no profiles yet no, no not not yet not yet i think gotta be, be in control yeah it's, it's gonna be very interesting if uh people could start to build profiles and share it but i mean what an incredibly beautiful product all the product design all the video work done in-house you, you set your own standards you took your time with that yeah uh yeah yeah um uh in terms of the the videos well there's how well produced the videos are and then there's how well the how great the ux is on the site i'm curious just what you learn there what your philosophy is there of production inside the video and then the wrapper the ux on the website you know um how much you've invested there in terms of your cycles and time yeah absolutely so i mean you're building out our our um own studio in uh, pasadena we're building out a second now in europe and we have a third one on the east coast that oh, was wow. that was crucial, you know, to really controlling controlling a the output, mm -hmm. controlling the costs, and yeah. controlling the the visuals. And this is, you know, our uh, head of production, Sean Mulholland. He's he's done an amazing job, really, to to really kind of control and and, and really shape the, the 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 visual identity of the content. Because this is also something, you know, that that a lot of customers are are kind of responding to really positively. If we are charging fifty dollars per month or three hundred dollars per year. That screams premium product, and if we are yes. a premium product, we have to deliver this premium experience. So if somebody opens the 100%. video, they're like, "Oh wow!" Like this is where this UGC thing kind of like you know it's a little bit difficult. Janky, yeah. janky. I understand. Yeah, yeah. It's janky. I mean, let's be honest. I, I feel like you're a niche version of MasterClass. Where MasterClass, you can, I'm sure, you know, Yo-Yo Ma, somebody's on MasterClass doing a MasterClass for cello, but they're not going to do the next thousand shallow videos the next yes. thousand flute videos or 100 so you know the the master class what steezy does in video what you're doing it's all just amazing in terms of helping people get an education and you had a nice bump during COVID, and you sustained that bump it didn't go away right or did it go away a little bit um yeah i mean it's it's interesting now if we now look at now that we have what is it three years at this point if we look yeah. at those cohorts versus other cohorts yeah. that didn't that didn't retain that well i think it's yeah. it's um yeah it was a bump certainly you know it, it was interesting um but i mean again you know i think at that point even we knew it's like it's a hopefully it's a temporary occurrence you know it turned yeah. out to be longer than we all hoped for but i mean you know i think we're focused on on because i feel like building a sustainable business means also like targeting the right type of customers yes. that are in there for your ideal customer profile, the drive-by, you know, transient users, they eat up cycles. They don't use the product. It's not product market fit. So yeah, it's a, it's kind of a waste of everybody's time. I mean, it's not. There's no harm, no foul if they want to sample it. But then you having to service them, as opposed to putting time into finding the people who are truly passionate. How how many instruments per year are we going to release? Do you think is it one per year? And in ten years, we've got you know the fifteen major instruments or you know, two per year. H how do you think about what's the right pace? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I think it's it's uh, it's interesting. I mean, last year we released one new instrument. This year we released two new instruments. Oh, okay. Um, next year we're planning on doing three to five. So it's it's oh, wow. it's really it's really about optimizing. The more efficient we become, the more profitable we become. The more content 
the more revenue we can reinvest into scaling more verticals and doing that more yeah. effectively. And, and then it really becomes about the process really. And, um, so, so that's yeah, what I man. hope for you is, you know, you just keep investing in the product. You cannot go wrong. Every dollar that goes into the product, you can see it on the screen. You're really, really produced something that was always quality from the start. You always had quality, but you have scaled quality production. And for that, you have my great respect. Um, I'm so proud of the effort the team's put in and the passion comes out. You know, every time I see an update from you and you, you've been great at keeping the investors updated. So I'm just so uh, happy for you and the team and just kudos on staying relentlessly focused on something you're passionate about. It's very easy to get distracted. Keep investing every dollar you can into the business. I, I'm fine with the business, losing a little bit of money, breaking even, whatever you choose. But I just love the fact that every time you make another video, it just adds to the value for those users. It makes it harder for them to churn. And you know, it's uh, I look at what you're doing like I look at my Epic Pass for skiing. I'm like, mm -hmm. you know, okay, this thing's $600. When I get to day four or five, I've now, well, day three or four actually in America for skiing, I've broken even on the cost of my thing. And then I'm like, oh, I've hit 20 days. I've hit 30 days, 40 days, 50 days. It's cost me $10 a day to go skiing. That's literally how I look at it. And it's the same thing with your beautiful service. Every time you had those videos, the cost per video for the user goes down, right? Yeah. Uh, and they get yeah. to just keep enjoying it for the same low price. Or and this is this is why the majority of people are on yearly plans and and another third is on lifetime plans, just because people invest in their long-term development. I, and I love the lifetime plan. I know accountants they lose their mind over a $700 <laughs> one-time transaction. But listen, if you know if it gets a bunch of passionate people to help underwrite the business with that lifetime, com.com did it. A number of people have done it. You, know, you, you don't have to sell a million of them, but if you sold a thousand of them, it's not the end of the world. Those people become your super advocates and, and you could always discontinue it or keep raising the price of it. Yeah. But I love yeah. the lifetime. It's 700 bucks lifetime. 700, yeah. Wow. So amazing. All right. Yeah. Listen, continued success. Everybody go check out Tonebase, tonebase.co, tonebase.co. Go to tonebase.co and see all the magic. All right. Well done. And we'll see you all next time on This Week in Startups.